Welcome. There we go, there we go. So if you guys do not know who I am, my name is Pastor Grace Miller. I am the new youth pastor here. I am so blessed to be here. And as I was preparing for this lesson and this sermon, I was just like, okay, why is this 21-year-old up here on stage? Like, I was so confused. I was like, how did I get this opportunity? And so I started thinking back, and I realized it stems from my family. You know, my dad's a pastor. My brother was my youth pastor, which I still don't know if that was good or bad. Um, my sisters and my mom, they're both so good in ministry. They are so participators in ministry. And my whole family is just so on fire for God. And they instilled that in me at a very young age. I'm gonna touch on that in a little bit, but um, I'm just so grateful to be up here right now at my age just because people believed in me, right? And honestly, you guys believe in me because I would not be up here if it wasn't for you guys, so thank you. Um, today we're gonna be in Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. Uh, if you guys would like to stand up and turn there with me. Mark 6, 30 through 44, and I will be reading from the NIV version. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have the chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit in groups in the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks, broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. You guys may be seated. So, really long passage. I get it. Um, so let's just do a quick little summary, right? Basically, before this passage even began, John the Baptist was beheaded. So Jesus had to be sad, right? John the Baptist, him and, him and Jesus were real tight. They were like besties. And he was just so distraught. And it didn't say it necessarily in this passage, but we see it all throughout scripture. But in this passage alone, we see that the disciples, they went out, they were teaching, they were doing all these different things. Actually, they buried John the Baptist, and they did all these different things, um, and they were just so exhausted. And so Jesus was like, hey, let's go across the lake, let's get some rest. I think they took a holy nap, I'm not sure, it doesn't say it in scripture but they just went across the lake to go get some rest. But some people, this crowd of people, 
They wanted more of Jesus. They wanted to learn more and more and more. So they ran. And I don't know about you guys, but I hate running. So when the scripture said they ran, that had to be a big deal. Like they really wanted to see Jesus. And so they ran and they beat them there. And Jesus landed. And when he landed, he saw the crowd. And scripture says he showed compassion. They were sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They were wandering. Now I just want to take a step back. All right, um, remember, the disciples, they were exhausted. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just gonna be real honest. When I'm exhausted, I don't wanna talk to people. When I'm tired, I don't wanna think, let alone be in the presence of people. So to me, this is a pretty big deal. Like, Jesus landed, showed compassion, and then taught. I, that includes talking, that includes thinking, that includes people, all of which I would have thought was an annoyance. But really what Jesus did is he landed, he looked at this crowd of people, and was like, this is an opportunity. This is a moment of ministry. This is not an interruption, this is not a nuisance, this is not an annoyance. This is an opportunity to minister. This is an opportunity to lead forward. And so whenever they got there, they began to hear Jesus speak and teach, regardless of what that interruption may have looked like. And then the disciples came up to Jesus and they're like, yo, Jesus, so basically, uh, these people, they, they're literally in the middle of nowhere right now. Like, let them go get themselves some food. Uh, they're really hungry. And Jesus was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 that's not what we're doing here. You go get them food, right? You go feed them. You go get them what they need. And the disciples are baffled. They're like, hold up, Jesus. Do you know who we are? Like, we literally don't have any money. Uh, we're disciples. We've been following you. We literally, like, left everything we have just to follow you, and now you're telling us to pay for some food? And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Go get what we already have. You see, we can build the kingdom with what we have. And they're like, we only have five loaves and two fish. How's that gonna feed 5,000 men? And granted, scholars say there was actually 15,000 people there because there was only 5,000 men. That doesn't include the women and children. So five loaves, two fish, how's this gonna spread to 15,000 people, right? Jesus like, just trust me. And so he then acts as an example. He acted as an example once he got off the boat, but now he's acting as an example again. He lifts up the bread, he breaks it, gives thanks, and then he hands it to the disciples, and then they all were satisfied. So that was the quick summary, all right? But let's dive a little deeper. So the first thing I want to say is, if we want to build the kingdom, we must be setting an example behind closed doors and in public. We've talked about this all throughout this series, right? We have to be an example before we can lead. Okay, what does that look like? that in Mark 14, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was crucified. And as the disciples were supposed to be watching, he was praying. Now the disciples were sleeping, they weren't doing what they were supposed to, but Jesus still prayed regardless. We see it in Mark 6, we see it in all throughout scripture that Jesus is setting the example behind closed doors and then we see it translated out in public. 
So I, I just wanted to briefly touch on that because we've already been talking about this all throughout scripture and all throughout the series of how Jesus was an example. So if we wanna lead forward, we need to be an example. The second thing I wanna touch on is if we wanna lead forward, we have to be willing to direct in a godly manner. Direct. Let me say it one more time. Direct, right? Direct does not mean be bossy. Now I can say this because my sisters are both in here, but growing up, um, they tried to direct me, right? Specifically one of them. Um, it may or may not start with an S and end with ERA. Um, but she tried to direct me. Really, in my opinion, I don't know about anyone else's. I was just a little sister, so my opinion doesn't really matter. But I felt like she was bossing me around, right? Now, again, my angle, two different sides of the story, right? But Jesus didn't boss around. He guided lovingly. He showed love. He directed. He held their hand and said, hey, come on, let's go, right? And so we see that Jesus is directing in this sense. Now, okay, how did Jesus direct? He gave the, dis the disciples a purpose, a purpose that had to be fulfilled. He didn't just leave them hanging. He told them, hey, go put these people in groups. And now, a little bit of background, these groups kind of looked like corn stalks in rows of hundreds and fifty of people, right? And so they were in these roads, and then Jesus was like, hey, I'm actually gonna direct you one more time. Take this food and pass it out. So that leads me to my next point that I'm really gonna hit on. See, Jesus provided materials, he provided opportunities, and if we want to lead forward, leading forward requires giving people a chance. Leading forward requires giving people a chance. We see that Jesus is giving the disciples opportunities to do ministry all throughout the scripture. So let's look at it together real quick. So the first thing that we see is Jesus gives an opportunity to show compassion. Do you remember when I talked about that interruption of like exhaustion, but then he took it and turned it into like ministry? That was an opportunity to show compassion. He was showing the disciples what compassion looks like and said, hey, now it's your turn. Show compassion, show love. Build a connection with these people, have a relationship. So he gave him an opportunity to do that. All right, what's the next one? He not only did that, but he had them go and look to see what they had. The five loaves and the two fish. He gave them an opportunity to see how what little they had could be used to build the kingdom. He had the disciples pass out all the food. Now, okay, Jesus, is amazing, first off. Can we all agree on that? Can I get a big amen? amen? Awesome. And so Jesus could have just broke the bread, gave thanks, passed it out individually, but he was like, no, disciples, there's a lot of you, a lot of hands. You go pass it out. You go feed them. He wanted them to be a part of the ministry. He didn't want to do it on his own. He wanted everyone to join in. You see, they were not only able to be part of a ministry, but a miracle, solely because Jesus gave them an opportunity. And not only that, but the disciples took that opportunity. 
And I was looking at my own life. And I was seeing, okay, like when was an opportunity given to me? And then I started looking, I was like, wow, I have been given lots of opportunities when I don't really deserve them, but God continuously gave them to me. He gave me people that believed in me. Remember how I talked about that earlier? How you guys believe in me, which is why I'm up here. 21 years old, barely 21 years old, and I'm up here preaching. But it didn't start just here. It started nine years ago. And so there's gonna be a video show, and I chose the best part that I could find of this really cringy sermon that I preached. It was my first sermon ever. I was 12 years old in sixth grade, and my church gave me an opportunity to preach my very first sermon. Enjoy. I'm gonna throw a ball at you and tell me if it hurts. Did that hurt? No? All right, now all you can have is the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and the sword of the spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw the devil schemes at him to see if the devil schemes can get to him easier or harder with only a few things. Ready? Did that hurt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kinda. All right, again, that was the best part of the whole sermon, okay? So if you can imagine how painful that was to watch, extremely, especially watching it back nine years later, okay? I was embarrassed of myself while I was watching it by myself, okay? And so actually during this sermon, it was so painful to watch because I was reading scripture and then mid-sentence I was like, I don't wanna read anymore. Mom, can you finish the scripture for me? And so she came up and read the scripture for me. It was just, it was not good. And I actually was gonna see if she would be willing to do that today, but I didn't wanna embarrass her or anything like that. But it was so painful to watch. I can't imagine what the congregation was thinking, to be honest. But the surprising thing is, to me at least, is that no matter how bad that was and how cringy that was, they let me come back the next year and preach. And then not, after, not only that, but then the next year, and then the next year, and then the next year. Next thing I know, I'm leading Wednesday night youth groups. Next thing I know, I am going to different churches and preaching at retreats. Next thing I know, I'm going to camp meetings and I'm preaching. Next thing I know, I am at Indiana Wesleyan University, where I graduated from, and they are allowing me to preach to thousands of people. It started off with 15 people at age 12. And now here I am today, age 21, preaching to you guys. Now, there wasn't just preaching that they gave me opportunities to do. I was the director's assistant at a church camp at ages 19 and 20. Now granted, my brother was the director, so I don't know if that counts for anything, but they still give me an opportunity. And if it weren't for that opportunity, if they didn't give me a chance, I don't think I'd be up here today. Because they gave me a chance to do ministry. They believed in me, they had confidence in me. They didn't look at me and say, hey, just because of your age, I'm not gonna allow you to step foot in this. And so I want you guys to think like, in ministry, have you ever just like written someone off? I know I have, to be honest. Like, I'm no perfect Christian. Some of you teens might think I am, but I'm definitely not. But have you written someone off because of their background? 
their home life, their ethnicity, their age. But here's the thing, Jesus didn't do any of that. Actually, we see that in scripture, he asked the lowest of lows to help him do ministry, to build the kingdom. He gave them a chance. That is how he led forward. He gave them a chance. And so when we are called to lead forward, we're called to give people a chance. That means we are called to be participators rather than spectators. Now you're like, okay, how does that like intertwine in there, right? But the thing is, I could easily just continuously preach and preach and preach to you guys. And all you guys are getting is my regurgitated study. It's when you go behind those closed doors and you set that example, that you gain that knowledge for yourself. That's where participating begins. But it doesn't just end there. It means holding someone's hand, walking with them, and slowly letting them go so then they can step up into the opportunity. Something I didn't mention, whenever I was preaching that first time in sixth grade, it was so bad, I think it lasted six minutes, all right? My dad comes up, and he's like, all right, Grace, so there's more to the armor of God than what you just said. I was like, okay, Dad, yeah, there is. Tell me more. And he was like, do you remember that scripture you just read? I was like, no, I don't. And he's like, okay, well, this means this. And he just kept walking me through and guiding me through. You see, participating doesn't mean just being an example. It means guiding as well. My dad guided me through the rest of the sermon. He showed more insights in front of all these different people. He was a guide to me. He showed the example back at home, but he was a guide here on stage. And then he blessed me with more opportunities to come. So what I said earlier, all these different examples that I gave you guys of ministry that I've done, this sounds like a resume, but really it's a testimony. It's a testimony because people gave me a chance. It's a testimony because people had confidence in me. And I truly hope these groups of students feel that same way by the church. That they feel like they have belief in them. That they feel empowered. And I haven't been here that long, so I, I don't know much yet. But I truly believe that if we begin to enable, to empower the next generation, and even adults, that this ministry, this kingdom, will grow so much bigger when we start being participators rather than spectators. You see, when I was preparing this, I was thinking, okay, leading forward, generations die, so that means like we have to lead forward so the generations can continue on Christianity, but that's not what it is. That's not what it is at all. You see, I was talking with Alex, Pastor Alex. I was talking with my Indiana Wesleyan boss about this scripture, and they're like, you realize there was more than just that. I was like, what are you talking about? And they're, they're like, there was a need. You see, on the one side of the lake, they fulfilled needs. But once they crossed that lake to go get rest, there were more needs on the other side that they were able to participate in. Here in this church, there are needs. Here in Westchester, there are needs. But there are so much more needs outside of these walls, outside of Westchester, that we are called to participate in ministry. We are called to bring people along with us to build the kingdom. 
but it comes by being an example, by guiding lovingly, and by giving an opportunity. I went to Indiana Wesleyan just this weekend, and I was really hoping to see this one individual, and then when I got there, I realized that she actually transferred, so I was distraught. But this one individual, she was like, someone I just really struggled with. Her name's Brittany. And the reason why I struggled with this is because I just didn't feel like I could connect with her. I couldn't love on her well enough. My job at Indiana Wesleyan was a residential spiritual life coordinator. I never get that right. So I've got it right two times zero now, so we're, we're killing it. But what I did was I enabled and I empowered small group leaders in their small groups. And not only that, I led a small group. And the small group I led was for the townhouses. So I was in charge of lots and lots of people. And for my small group, literally anyone could come. So one week I'd have like two people and the next week I'd have 50. And it was just really hard to plan for. But there's this one girl, Brittany, that I just really wanted to connect with. I just drew to her, but I didn't know how to connect with her. And so one day God was just like, hey, you need to ask Brittany out for coffee and just tell her you will answer any questions that she has. Now that's a big ask, because I did not feel like Brittany would give me the time of day sometimes. I was like, okay, God, I'll do it. And so I asked her when she came to small group. I was like, hey, Brittany, do you wanna go get some coffee? I'll answer any questions you may have. Like, I would just love to listen. She's like, hey, thanks for the offer, but I'll probably not do that. I was like, oh, okay, thank you, God, for giving me that opportunity to get blown off. Like, I was just so distraught. I was like, what was the purpose of that? But a month later, she texted me and said, hey, Grace, I would love to go get coffee with you. Is that offer still up for grabs? It's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So I made time and I met with her and she just shared with me her testimony. Honestly, it was more listening than anything. But I felt like it was a big waste of my time. I was like, God, I didn't get to impart any of my wisdom on her. Like, this, what was the point of that? Like, I just don't get it. This summer, I went on Facebook and I saw a video of her being baptized. You see, at the very beginning of when I met her, she said, woe is me, God, why? She was going through so much pain and torment. She didn't want to give God a chance, but then she became baptized this summer, and I was like, Brittany, what happened? Like, I'm so excited for you, like, you're baptized. And she texted me back. She said, Grace, girl, thank you. With a wild roller coaster of a school year and being home, learning and growing in my relationship, I knew it was finally time. I wanted to thank you for pouring into me this last year and taking time to answer my questions. Honestly, I don't think I would be where I am today without your help. When I came home, I plugged into a woman's small group at church and we actually went through the attributes of God. And then she started going on and on and on in this text message about how someone in her church gave her an opportunity to help with youth group. And then they asked her to be a counselor and then she got baptized and now she's leading studies in her church solely because someone in her church gave her a chance, regardless how bad her home life was, regardless of all the different things that she did that did not seem Christian-like. Someone gave her a chance. So my challenge to you, and we've been saying this all throughout the series, is invest. But my challenge to you is to go deeper than that. It's to be that example. It's to direct lovingly. It's to give people a chance 
and be participators rather than spectators. If you guys would stand with me. We're gonna go into a time of prayer and I just, I hope that you guys just take this challenge and run with it. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much for all that you have given us. I just thank you for this love that you constantly bestow upon us. I thank you for giving us an example of how to love you, how to grow in you, and how to build a kingdom through you, Lord. And I just pray that we remain obedient to this calling. Lord, you gave us the opportunity to do ministry, so why wouldn't we wanna do that with someone else? Help us build the kingdom by giving people a chance. In thy name, amen.